For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Brothers and sisters, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of Almighty God endures forever. You may be seated. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you most of all for who you are and for what you have given us in Christ, your beloved Son, our Savior. We thank you that you did for us what we could never do for ourselves, what we did not desire to do. You drew near to us when we were running from you. You came looking for us when we were hiding from you. You loved us even while we were yet sinners. And that Christ died for us. You give us new hearts. You take the heart of stone and give us hearts of flesh. Give us minds to be able to comprehend the word as the spirit illuminates this revelation. You give us this blessed salvation so full and free by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for your glory alone. That which is free to us cost you a dear price. So, Father, we ask that we would see once again by your Spirit, through the eyes of faith, Christ our Redeemer, our great Captain, our great Lord, We ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. The shot heard around the world. If you know your American history, you know what that phrase is referring to. Of course, it is referring to the opening shot of the battles of Lexington and Concord on April 19th. 1775, which began the great American Revolution, our revolution that led to the creation of our great nation. It led to the creation of the greatest democracy known to man then and still today. And the ripple effects of the American Revolution has brought Hope to millions under the divine hand of providence. And it still does today. Revolution is as old as time. Some have led to great evil. And some, like the American Revolution, have led to great good. On October 31st, 1517, Another momentous revolution occurred. It would be the seeds for our nation's revolution some 258 years later. It was a pivotal moment in human history 
that we as Protestants still celebrate some 500 years later. It was without a doubt the gospel shot heard around the world. For on October 31st, 1571, uh, in Wittenberg, Germany, a brilliant, eccentric, fat, beer-drinking monk took the canon of God's almighty word and took direct aim at the doctrines of men which have obscured the glory of the gospel of God's sovereign grace. And that shot Luther fired would begin a battle for gospel truth. Luther set off a firestorm of controversy by declaring that the righteousness of God that saves us is from God from first to last. He declared that our salvation is from God and God alone. He fired this glorious shot in the early 16th century, beginning a battle for biblical truth upon which the church stands or falls. And that battle for this blessed truth of justification by faith alone still rages today. The battle is over whether or rather how sinners are made righteous in the sight of a holy God. Now, Luther was a tormented Augustinian monk, and some would say that he had a preoccupation, a morbid preoccupation with the justice and the holiness of God. He feared and trembled before God, and there are scholars who have written who said he was over the top. He was obsessed with, with a morbid preoccupation of the holiness and justice of God. He must have had some sort of personality defect. Well, I won't argue with him on that point. He could be a strange fellow. You know, the, the saying, there's a thin line between genius and and madness. I think maybe he walked that razor's edge a few times. But I do not think that Luther had a morbid occupation with the justice and holiness of God. I think he saw the justice and holiness of God clearly, more clear than most before or after him. And his understanding of the holiness and justice of God caused him to tremble in fear. That was the proper response. For any sinner that truly understands the righteousness and justice of God will tremble in fear. The truth that God's Spirit led Luther to concerning justification by faith alone occurred while he was teaching his students the book of Romans. And our text this morning, Romans 1, 16 and 17, was the pivotal passage that God used to throw open the dungeon of Luther's doubts and fears. And I, I love Charles Wesley's hymn, And Can It Be? And I think it, it wonderfully describes Luther's conversion when Wesley wrote long my imprisoned spirit lay fast bound in sin and nature's night thine eye diffused a quickening ray 
I woke the dungeon flamed with light. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? Just as the ripple effects of the Reformation led to the American Revolution, so did the greatest of all revolutions lead to the Protestant Reformation. Let me repeat that. Just as the ripple effects of the Reformation led to the American Revolution some 258 years later, so did the greatest of all revolutions lead to the Reformation, the Protestant Reformation. And the greatest revolution to ever occur was at the Incarnation. It occurred in Christ's life, in His death, in His resurrection, and His ascension. Christ's atoning work was the definitive shot, heard not just around the world, but reverberates throughout the universe. This revolution has freed men from the ultimate slavery of sin and Satan, death and hell. This freedom is the theme of Romans, and it is the heartbeat of our passage this morning. The Apostle Paul's epistle to the believers at Rome has long been considered his magna opus, his greatest theological work, his theological masterpiece. It is while submerged in Romans that Martin Luther rediscovered the truth of the gospel that the sunlight of God's sovereign grace dawned upon him that the just shall live by faith. So let's look at our passage once again this morning. Paul writes, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. For in the... In it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just or the righteous shall live by faith. In Galatians, Paul fleshes out Romans 1, 16 and 17. Paul is telling us in our passage throughout the book of Romans, And in Galatians, that our hope as guilty sinners is found in the righteousness of Jesus and Him alone. In the righteousness of the Prince of Heaven. We are saved by faith in Christ alone. And that is the good news of the Gospel. The Gospel that we are saved by is this, in Christ, in Him alone, do we find peace with God. It is faith in Christ that we enter the kingdom by His sovereign grace, and it is by His sovereign grace, in the atmosphere of grace, as our faith grows, that we're kept in the kingdom. It is not that we are saved by faith and kept by works. That is the lie of the evil one. That we are saved by faith and kept by works. That is a lie that we should say no to a thousand times. No, for from beginning to end, it is the work 
of God in us. But I wonder how many of us this morning practically live that way before God. That we come to faith in Christ and then we somehow slip into the belief that it is our church attendance, it's our Bible reading, it's our prayers, it's our giving, it's our activity that keeps us in relationship with God. All those things we should do as Christians. But we are not kept in the faith by those things, but we are kept and we persevere by by the gracious preservation of Almighty God. Now I want you to think for just a moment about the man who wrote these words, the just shall live by faith. When is it that we first meet the Apostle Paul? We meet him in Acts as a younger man at the stoning of Stephen. We see that Paul condones the stoning of Stephen and Not only does he condone it, but he goes out and terrorizes the church and seeks to destroy the church. And then Paul is arrested by Christ. He has an encounter with the living Christ, and he's never the same. And now the same zeal he had in persecuting the church, he has in preaching the gospel. And I... I love this about God, that he never wastes a thing in our life. Remember Paul, what he says about himself, that he was a Pharisee of Pharisees, that according to their traditions, he was perfect. He was the super Pharisee. God took all that knowledge of the Old Testament, and after his conversion, he used Paul by the inspiration of the Spirit, to show us how the covenants are cohesive in nature and how the new covenant in Christ is superior to the old. There's never been a greater mind among Christian theologians or scholars than the Apostle Paul. He was a soldier for the truth of God's redeeming work alone. And he sought to do battle against those who would obscure its glory. One of his biggest opponents in his preaching of grace and grace alone and and this gift which is received by faith alone was by those who were known as the Judaizers. The Judaizers basically preached, if I could sum it all up in a phrase, is that Jesus was not enough. That you were saved both by the grace of God and by keeping of the works of the law. The Apostle Paul went to battle with these men. He responded to them and he called them wild dogs. And in Galatians, Paul defends the gospel of grace alone through faith alone. And Paul never pulls any punches with his adversaries. And as we read this morning, he said that if anyone, even an angel from heaven, preaches another gospel, then we deliver it unto you. Let that man be 
accursed. Now in your mind, journey with me from Paul's first century world to the 16th century world of Martin Luther. The glorious message of the gospel, the message that God sovereignly saves undeserving sinners has come alive in Luther. And, and as Luther, it came alive in Luther as Luther studied this passage. And Luther struggled with the words from Romans 1.17 for in it the righteousness of God is revealed. And he struggled with it for this reason because he read those words as though they meant God's attribute of righteousness. And of course, we see that in Scripture, that God is righteous and one of His attributes is righteousness. This particular attribute of God caused Luther much fear and trepidation in the light and the knowledge of his own sin. But then the Spirit of God opened Luther's eyes to the truth of what the Apostle Paul was saying. Paul was not speaking of the attribute of God, but the gift of righteousness that God gives to repentant sinners, to believers, the gift which comes by faith and faith alone. Luther then understood what Paul meant when he said, and we heard it read this morning, for he made him sin, that is Christ, who knew no sin, that in him, that in Jesus Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. It is the gift of Christ's righteousness which is received by faith that makes us presentable before God. And we see this even in the Old Testament, we see it not just through the, the sacrificial system in the Old Testament, but I think one of my favorite places is in Zechariah uh, chapter 3. Zechariah chapter 3, do you remember what the prophet records in Zechariah? He sees the high priest Joshua going before the Lord, and the accuser stands there accusing him, and the Lord rebukes him. The Lord rebuke you, for is this not a brand plucked from the fire? For Satan was pointing out Joshua standing, as it were, in his filthy garments, those garments representing his sin. And all of our self-righteousness is but garments tattered and torn before living God. But then God commands a turban and a robe to be placed on Joshua, representing the righteousness that comes from God, and that is us. We are all but brands plucked from the fire. Standing in our sin, we have nothing to plead but Christ and His righteousness and we are given what is called an alien righteousness, a righteousness not from within, but from without, that is a gift from God that cost Christ everything to give us. We are clothed in the righteousness of Christ, just as the high priest was, just as 
every believer has been. Like Paul, Luther counts all things as lost for the surpassing knowledge of Christ. Like Paul, Luther takes aim at the religious establishment to fight to the death to defend the gospel. Like Paul, Luther faces wild dogs as he fights for truth. Satan no doubt had the Apostle Paul in his crosshairs and no doubt Satan had Luther in his crosshairs. I remember Sproul saying one time, Dr. R.C. Sproul said one time, few has Satan taken upon himself to go to in human history to bother, to torment. You and I are not important enough to garner the particular attention of the ancient dragon, but the apostle Paul was. All the apostles were. And Sproul says, so was Luther, and I agree with him. And if Sproul and I agree, it must be settled, must be right. I said that one time to Dr. Ferguson. He just shook his head. Satan took aim at Luther, and in 1521, Luther is put on trial by Rome. He's been called to recant his teaching of justification by faith alone and other teachings. Luther is frightened. He's terrified. He pleads with God in prayer all night for courage, for wisdom and strength. And when he is recant, Luther utters these famous words, unless I am convinced by the testimony of the Holy Scriptures or by evident reason, for I can believe neither Pope nor Council alone, as it is clear that they have erred repeatedly and contradicted themselves. I consider myself convicted by the testimony of Holy Scripture, which is my basis my conscience is captive to the Word of God. Thus I cannot and will not recant. God help me. Here I stand. I can do no other. From Luther's single shot of the gospel truth came five more successive shots through the writings and the preaching of the reformers that struck at the very heart of hell. Sola gratia, sola fide, Sola Christos, sola scriptura, sola de gloria. Salvation is by God's sovereign grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, rooted and founded upon the scriptures alone, to the glory of God alone. And that, Christian, is our heritage. This is what we proclaim, for it is truth. We do not wave the banner of Luther or Zwingli or Calvin or Knox. We wave the same banner that these men waved. We wave the banner of Christ and Him crucified to a lost and dying world. Our heritage of faith did not begin in the 16th century. The story of faith alone in God's saving power and sovereign mercy alone is found throughout all of Scripture. It is a story a scripture, God redeeming a people for himself. Our heritage is one of faith alone and God's promises alone. And Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him 
as righteousness. By faith, the children of God conquer kingdoms, enforce justice, obtain promises, stop the mouths of lions, quench the power of fire, escape the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, and the world was not worthy of them. This is our heritage. This is our hope. This is our resting place. This is eternal life. That we might know God and Jesus Christ whom He has sent. Our salvation is in God alone, from God, through God, preserved by God from first to last. And in every breath, in living and in dying, we belong to the Lord Jesus Christ in which no man, no force on earth, no force in hell will be able to pluck us from His hand. That is our heritage. That is the message of the Reformation. That is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for Your goodness and for Your mercy. We thank You that You sovereignly saved undeserving sinners. And that Your gospel is still proclaimed. Though wolves seek to sneak in, though wild dogs come, Your word stands. Your church perseveres. In Christ, your glory is seen. For all those who hear the voice of the Good Shepherd, those who have been given to the Father, to the Son, will come. Lord, we praise you for this truth. We thank you for the shoulders of the men and women of faith, the hall of faith that we stand upon today. We ask that you would keep us, guide us, and lead us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.